welcome to this week's 21st edition of Let's Have a Breakdown with, guess what, me, Ali Monjack. And me, Harry Acton, and of course, Tinkerbell, who's now become a permanent fixture. She has. Hi there, Tink. Happy Valentine's Day. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, it's nice to have some contact this Valentine's Day, isn't it? Um, How are you, Ali? How are you? I'm good, yes, I I am. Yeah, it's it's been a, a very busy week, definitely. Um, at For The Now Media. So, yeah, exciting things happening. Um, but, yeah. yeah, some, well, not so great news, but some closure at least this week. Yes, we, we had the, the news on Thursday this week that um, Libby Squire's murderer has been found guilty. Um, it's a very, very sad story, actually, the story of Libby Squire. Um, Powell Relowicz, um, 26, um, raped uh, Libby, 20, who, who was 21 years old at the time, on a playing field in Hull before dumping her body in the River Hull. Um, the jury at Sheffield Crown Court heard. Um, you know, she went missing back in 2019, Ali, if you can believe it. It was a, I know. Sort of such a long time ago now. I remember um, being in the newsroom, yeah. Yeah, from going missing on the 1st of February. Her body was then found on the um, seven weeks later um, in the Humber Estuary. It's very, very sad. Um, and of course, yeah. she's from Buckinghamshire. So, yes, um, which is in the Thames Valley. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a story. I can remember that, that story. Yes, horrible. So, um, but bless her. And at least, you know, that justice has been done, hasn't it, really? No, no, absolutely. And um, Relevix, which, if I'm saying his name right, I might be getting it wrong here, um, is a father of two, believe it or not. And he's actually been found to have committed a series of strange and frightening offences, many of them sex offences. Um, you know, after he was arrested, this is this all came out after the Libby Squire um, went missing, which is which is even worse in a way. Um, hmm. You know, he said that he picked up a second year philosophy student as she was wandering around Beverly Road area in Hull, confused, upset and in a drunken state whilst in freezing cold conditions. He was then found guilty on Thursday after the jury of five men and seven women heard a mass of circumstantial evidence linking him to Mrs. Squire's, Miss Squire's disappearance. It's, you know, having him found guilty, I'm, I'm sure for the family is, is brings some sort of relief, but it will never bring Libby back, which is no. very, very sad. Yes. Um, so, I mean, as you said, the, the defendant has admitted a series of what his barrister called utterly disgusting sexual offences in the months before that night. And he admitted um, that, you know, he had, you know, those sort of tendencies, basically. So um, that, you know, I mean, that the, the Olive... Oliver Saxby QC defending said that there was no evidence that he'd actually killed her. Um, but yes, I mean, it, it, it really is a closed case now, isn't it? Yeah, he's he's been found guilty. And, you know, um, as the family said, that it will never bring Libby back and it won't bring Libby back. And it, it, it is honestly a disgusting thing to happen. And he even admitted himself that he, on the evening of Miss Squire's disappearance, he was driving around Hull looking for a woman to um, 
have sex with. Um, he also has convictions for other public decency offences, voyeurism mm. and other offences I'm not going to name here. So no. it's it, it, was a, it was a horrible case. It was a really horrible case. And for it to come back, you know, two, uh, more than two years later after she first disappeared, it's been a horrible time for the family. Absolutely, so, of course it has. And hope... at least, as mm. you said, that, that they are able to actually get some sort of closure on this. It will never bring her back, but at least he has been found guilty. And mm. that's that's all we can say on the matter. And I'm sure um, there's lots of families out there who, I don't know, probably have sympathised very greatly with, with the Squire family. So, yeah. No. Very sad news to start this week's breakdown with. Sorry about that, everyone. And it is time to move on to some some lighter news now. You know, um, lifting of lockdown, hopefully in the UK anyway, it's getting getting closer. We've heard lots of positive things from the government in recent days. The R rate is now below one for the first time since July last Which year. Which is great. Ju- yeah, yeah, but July, it's been above one since July, Ali. Well, I've always said that, you know, my theory was as soon as the schools started going back in September. It was a bit of a it was a bit of a lethal combination of pubs, schools, universities, wasn't it? So this time round, anyway, the government is being more cautious. Um, which is which is great. So Patrick Valance has um, said it this week. It will be crucial to establish the trajectory of the COVID nineteen outbreak. He does love his big words and, and to not does. jump ahead of it, as cases could rise again quickly. And that's the key phrase here. And even our Prime Minister Boris Johnson is saying the same sort of things. You know, we need to be careful. He's refusing to publish a roadmap until the end of this month. So, in a way, there could be some normality soon. But as everyone's saying, we can't jump into it just yet, Ali, sadly. Not no, just yet. No, unfortunately, we can't just jump into it. You know, we can't. But he has said that on February the 22nd, um, the government will push its roadmap for the easing of lockdown restrictions in England. Um, I mean, that that's still, again, very different for all the four nations across the UK. Of I course. Mean, Wales are doing other things. Um so, and, you know, as as you said, the, the Sir Patrick told Downing Street, there will be a significant number of people in high-risk groups who haven't yet been vaccinated. So that, that's what we need to think of. But apparently we are now over the 15 million mark of um, the first are. vaccinations in the UK, yes. which is brilliant, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, no, yeah. The first four vulnerable groups have been vaccinated as of today, Sunday, uh, yep. which is great news. Now the government's moving on to get, um, you know, the over sixties done, the over fifties, and of course those aged sixteen to sixty-four who are clinically vulnerable as well. So, and they hopefully will be done by June, which then means yes. the rest of the adult population could be done by the end of summer over here. So it's very, very exciting stuff, but there is still a limitation in the fact that the AstraZeneca vaccine, which is our predominant one doesn't really work against the South African variant, but it will stop it people dying. So no, pros and cons there, Ali. Yes, yeah, yeah. No, it, it doesn't. But I mean, it does work against the Kent variant, doesn't it? So It does, yeah. it does. But speaking of the Kent variant, Ali, did that strain, the one that started in the UK, in theory, um, is now going to become the dominant strain globally. Go team. How on earth did we manage that? <laughs> well, I don't know. Do you know, I'm still convinced that it's it didn't it didn't start in Kent. But I mean we don't have the I've scientific evidence of that. No. 
No. Who knows? There's rumours it could have come in from Spain. We just don't know. But it has now been detected in more than 50 <laughs> countries worldwide. And uh, Professor Sharon Peacock, on who spoke on the BBC Newscast podcast, said it's probably going to sweep the world. So that's yeah. great. That's yeah. great. Um, Super. Um, yeah, no, because obviously the initially the, it led to London and parts of southern and eastern England. Um, so we were rushed into tier four restrictions prior to Christmas. Well, you weren't actually, Harry, were you? No, so, I, I was 26th of December. I was in tier four. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Delightful. Harry, but yeah, it anyway, it's, it's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let's not dig up old wounds. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> As we're yeah. hearing more and more these days, this virus, of course, is going to keep mutating. Um, and scientists have said we're going to be doing vaccines for years. I mean, AstraZeneca's already worked, Oxford AstraZeneca are already working on a new vaccine for um, the end of this year. Uh, GlaxoSmithKline have turned their attention from uh, the current strain to the new strains to get a vaccine out in early 2022, um, which is what they're going to deal with now. So, you know, it's great that we're detecting these variants and we're not just ignoring them because they are the, the issues here, at least. So... Yeah, it's it's pros and cons, but of course, there are people out there who haven't had furlough through all this this third lockdown who have been struggling. So the sooner we get back to some normality, the sooner we can vaccinate against the Kent South African Brazilian variants, the better, really. Well, definitely, and I, you know, as you said, I mean, AstraZeneca really does cover the Kent variant as well. I mean, so does Pfizer, and so does Moderna. And some of the other vaccines that we've got, Novavax and um, Janssen. So, yeah, um, yeah. I, I think, you know, we are sort of on target. I mean, what will happen remains to be seen, doesn't it, really, until we get to the 22nd of February. But we are definitely on our way there. No, we are. And you actually spoke to someone, didn't you, Ali, who unfortunately this week is, is really really for the reopening of non-essential retail theatres and stuff, doesn't he? He's, he's been missed out by well, the current system. Yes. I mean, with, the, you know, news of the roadmap ahead, there are some people that during this whole pandemic have not been covered properly with the furlough scheme um, and found it difficult to get help from elsewhere. I mean, I actually spoke to Gary McKellicott this week, who has been a theatre promoter and company director. He was actually asked to be a company director because, um, you know, the nature of his business. So he has not been able to draw normally the way he, you know, earns money, pays himself, is by his yearly dividends, um, which is not PAYE, obviously, it's yearly dividends. So he's not been able to take... Uh, a furlough scheme because he wouldn't have the money to pay himself back. Does that make sense? Um, yeah, it does. It does. No. So, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, he's, he's he... kind of been stuck in a rock and a hard place. And also, you know, as a company director, the government has said that they thought by company directors actually drawing dividends. I mean, he's a tiny company. He's, he's it. He's a one man band. You know, mm. so um, it, the, the, there's the potential of fraud, which you can understand. Um, but in the meantime, it's, it's kind of left Gary and people like him um, between a rock and a hard place. So this is what he had to say this week. Um, I took the view early on, which was lucky in, in retrospect, because 
I didn't know how long this was going to go on for, but um, I could have furloughed myself. Um, but the difficulty with furloughing yourself is you're paying yourself with money that doesn't really exist for a job that no longer exists. And ethically, it's not really the way to go forward, I don't think, really. Um, you know, it, and basically, I, I became a limited company director because my accountant said this is probably the best way to go forward. Um, there seems to be a, a view from the government um, that, I mean, that, that they've basically said that uh, limited company supporting limited company directors um, by paying them via their dividends and not by their PAYE. So basically the money that directors get, uh, you know, fr from a, a year's worth of work is open to uh, fraud. Right. Well, let's do our usual thing, shall we, Harry, and go across the pond. Oh, look so... at that. We're going over the pond again. I, I don't know why I'm pretty depressed about that, but... And yeah. Well, I'm not surprised, actually, because, it's, well, did we see this coming? Well, I think I did, definitely. Former US president, um, he who shall not be named, has been found not guilty in his impeachment trial. Although the final yes. vote came in as 57 guilty and 43 not guilty, the Democrats did not reach the two-thirds majority. They needed to secure a conviction. Well, unsurprisingly, this happened. You know, you were never going to get the Republican senators to vote against their own party. It's kind of like political suicide, really, in that regard. So I'm not surprised. I think there's probably a lot of people who are disappointed and a lot of people who are overjoyed at this decision. But what it does do now is leave the door open for Mr. Trump, Mr. Trump, he who should not be named. There you go. I've already ruined it, Ali, um, to return in 2024 to run again. And he's well, holding the Republican the scary Party. thing, isn't it? You know, this is the this is the crazy yes. thing. <clears throat> but this is the thing. However, as um, I mean, obviously this is speculation at the moment. But you know, remember our guest, Professor Brian Frederick, a couple of weeks ago, mm -hmm. he did say, yeah. and there's a very strong possibility that the IRS are going to catch up with him in New York over his tax evasion. We shall see. Hmm. We shall see. I have no other words on that. But let's stick with American news. Let's not faff around someone who is at the moment out of the picture, I think. That's no. my motto of everything. Let's stay away from negative things. Although this isn't exactly much more positive. But anyway, um, Joe Biden's administration has expressed deep concerns about the World Health Organization's probe into the Chinese handling of the coronavirus. What a headline, Ali. What a headline. I know. What a um, headline. Um, yes. I mean, there has been deep concerns from them about the way in which early findings of the COVID-19 investigation were communicated and questions about the process used to reach them. So National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan said in a lengthy statement, it is imperative that this report be independent with expert findings free from intervention or alteration by the Chinese government. Now, there has been several reports. I mean, obviously, we've got our own UK scientists out there. Um, or have been out mm -hmm. there. And they have said yeah. that they did receive quite a lot of the data, but not all of it. 
So, you know, I mean, it's it's too perhaps early to speculate on that one, isn't it, really? Yeah, well, according to the team that the World Health, World Health Organization sent, the WHO, um, it's extremely unlikely that the virus emerged from a lab in Wuhan, and it was pretty much not worth further studies. And the WHO scientists also said that it is most likely the coronavirus was initially transmitted via a jump from an animal to a human, perhaps starting with a bat. The WHO, in the WHO investigators also found frozen wild animals being sold in a Wuhan market that came from regions where bats and hosts are known to carry a virus similar similar to the novel coronavirus. So that mm. basically says, as what we all expected back in March, it's come from a bat and some dodgy food dealing in China. As we know, wet markets in China have come under recent criticism. Um, yeah, so I mean, there has been talk about animal reservoirs as well, hasn't hasn't there? You know, um, they are talking mm. about, you know, more investigation into um, animal reservoirs out there as well. So um, let, let's just yes. see how yes. the situation progresses. But however... Um, Yes, it is. You know, originally they were talking about a seafood market as well, weren't they? So, who knows? They were. I mean, I mean, we we don't. We'll never. I don't think we're ever going to truly know where this virus came from. If I'm perfectly honest, I don't believe we ever will. Um, but you know, on Saturday, Sullivan, who you, who read a quote from earlier, also referenced statements that the team did not get to see raw data and had to rely on the analysis data that was presented to them. So. It, it's unsurprising that the Biden administration is criticising the WHO after they have, of course, just formally rejoined after the former president pulled out of the WHO um, over its handling and his accusations of pro-China bias. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think we're ever going to know. and We just need to live with that fact, Ali, to be honest with you. No, it's, I, it's I think we do. Let's it, just get rid of it. Yeah, absolutely, which we are on the way. I mean, also, you know, funnily enough, although obviously we're a much smaller country, um, America have actually reached 10 million vaccinations now, haven't they? They have, they have. So that's some good news coming from the States there. But yeah, yeah, America, we haven't really got much dramatic news to report on since you got a new president. It's quite refreshing. Yeah. <laughs> Let's hope it stays that way. It is. Apart from the uh, World Health Organization investigation into to Wuhan and the virus, but that's it. Moving on. And Ali, it's time for a bit of a bit of a lighter part of the podcast. Now, it's not quite the entertainment slash lighter news segment, but you may recall, listeners, last week that we um we acted out. A, ca a parish council meeting from a lovely town of Han village of Handforth, even not town. Um, the mayor who took part in that meeting is now facing a vote of no confidence. Amid claims, he brought the wider local authority into disrepute. The clip has now been seen by millions of people, um, it has which across showed the world. Mm. across the world, which showed members of Handforth Parish Council losing their call, trading insults, and ultimately getting removed from the call. Um, yeah, Cheshire East Council Mayor Barry Burkell is now facing a vote of no confidence on the 17th of February. Blimey, Ali. Blimey. Oh, gosh, blimey. It's gone a step further, hasn't it? The motion which was proposed by Cheshire East Conservative Councillor Liz Wardlaw claims Mr Burkill made no attempt to intervene as it became clear participants in that meeting were being bullied. 
It said also that the recent national coverage of the Hamforth Parish Council meeting and our mayor's participation in that meeting has led us to believe he has brought this council and his role within the council into disrepute, as you know, you've already said. But I mean, it is it is kind of funny in a way, isn't it? It's it's. It is, it is it is funny it's what goes around comes around ali so um mm. the, yeah the motion calls for his um time of office as mayor to cease immediately and it added that the work that had been done at cheshire east over the last three years with the cooperation and commitment of all members and officers transform its culture and reputation from one of bullying and intimidation has been undermined by this sad episode the inaction of the mayor could be seen as a demonstration of his complicity in the bullying that occurred and this cannot be ignored if the integrity of the brighter futures program is to be maintained what a mouthful that is but that is lifted directly from the motion i know i mean apparently mr burkill has been contacted for comment and clips of the parish council's planning an environment committee from December the 10th emerged on social media on Thursday and quickly gained attraction online. So obviously our our very famous host now, Jackie Weaver, became an overnight internet sensation for her calm handling of the situation, which saw Chairman Brian Tolver kicked off the call twice, as we know. We did, we did actually cover that on Breakdown last week. So... Um, Following Mr. Tolver's eviction, Vice Chairman Aled Brewerton, joined by an older, unnamed gentleman, proceeded to yell at Miss Weaver, didn't he, to uh, read the standing orders. Read the standing orders. <laughs> read the standing orders. And I'm in charge. Um, yeah. I'm in charge. It's, uh, <laughs> I just, yeah. it's, just, it's just one of these stories that just won't go away. And we're probably going to see Jackie Weaver on like Strictly or I'm a Celebrity this year. In fact, betting agents have actually... um lowered their odds on that one so because there's a high chance you know what you know what these tv companies are like she's already been all over good morning britain loose women she's been on a lot of itv programs so she has hats, anything hats can happen off to jackie absolutely hats off to jackie she's become a sensation of british i don't know <laughs> she's just become a british icon as, hmm. as she's also known as britney spears as well good old britney spears absolutely um, you know Absolutely. I, again, it was a bit of light news for our, our listeners here. Ad. It's it's we haven't got much to say on the matter. I just it's just one of these stories that I'm absolutely committed to following it's, it's until one of those the day that it comes back to bite some people on the bum, though, doesn't it? Really, it does. And for some, it highlights how good a person they actually are. So, good old Jackie Weaver. Good old Jackie Weaver. You do have the authority, Jackie. Mm. Which is what everyone's been I saying. Do, do you think so we'll get good for Jackie her. Weaver fan T-shirts? You can get a mug. I know that much. Cool. I've almost bought said mug, but there is a mug. Oh my gosh! <laughs> oh, brilliant, brilliant. But good old Jackie, she's 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 brightened our week, and I'm sure she will for many weeks to come as this yes, story continues will. to develop. <laughs> and so now we are going with a little bit of light news from Jackie Weaver to Shakespeare, Harry. So, um, quite a lovely story this is, actually. Um, you know bearing in mind that we haven't had a great deal of entertainment in this country since the start of the pandemic. Um, Shakespeare is being brought to life in a virtual forest. The University of Portsmouth is part of a pioneering project 
combining live performance with virtual reality and gaming technology to bring immersive theatre to audiences wherever they are in the world. So this is also going to involve the Royal Shakespeare Company in collaboration with Manchester International Festival, Marshmallow Laser Feast, that sounds yummy, and the Philharmonic Orchestra will stage a live performance. Philharmonic... Can't speak, Carrie. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lighter news Phil- section, isn't it? Philharmonia yeah. Orchestra. Philharmonia. What have I said? I don't. I can't even. Philharmonia. 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 Philharmonia Orchestra will stage a live performance of Dream. Right, we got that. Yeah. So, based on William Shakespeare's A Midsummer Night's Dream, funnily mm. enough. But yeah, what a great story, Ali. Hey, what a great story. It um, is. Yeah, it's it's online. It's virtual. It's great. You know, this this event had been had been actually been uh, staged. It was set to be staged. I'm, you've given me a bug now, Ali. I can't speak oh, either. I know. It was set to be staged in the spring. Um, but after like many other events, as you said, faced restrictions to COVID-19. So the productions performed with seven actors in specially created motion capture spaces at the Guildhall in Portsmouth. Um, motion capture cameras will capture the movements of performers, which in turn will drive the virtual avatars of each character in real time. Very exciting. Cutting edge technology, bringing people together virtually. I mean, what, what else do you want in life? What a great story. What a great idea. It is a great story. And it also means that, you know, uh, theatre is accessible, you know, worldwide, really. So, yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. So, and, uh, yeah. Yeah. So the chief executive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're right, Harry. Gosh, we're, we're, we're I'm, sort I'm of, good. you know. I, you've just knocked me off now. You've knocked me. I'm gone. I'll sit. I'm out. See you later. <laughs> yeah. I'm still here, by the way. I'm sorry. Go on. Go oh, on. No, 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 no. That, that's, that's all right. Anyway, Harry, happy Valentine's Day. Oh, yeah. It's Valentine's Day today, isn't it, when we're recording this podcast? I've got the cat. The cat is my is my palantine. That's another thing, apparently, that started up. If anyone's... Yeah, she's um on my lap at the moment, getting some cuddles, because we're in oh, lockdown. So that's kind lovely. of all we can do. No, um, that, yeah, that's Valentine's absolutely yeah, happy Valentine's. So, yes, for all the lovers out there, personally this year, I am celebrating diverse relationships. Because I think it's Where's really, this going? really good. This is off script. Well, it is completely <laughs> off script, Harry. So I'm just telling you what, what, what I'm celebrating, I, you know, I love have, and, and diverse relationships. I have no clue what is coming, listeners. I have no, no, no. clue. <laughs> don't worry, don't worry. <laughs> Um, so, as we know, Valentine's Day, also called St. Valentine's Day, or the Feast of St. Valentine, is celebrated annually on February the 14th. And actually, it originates as a Roman Catholic feast honouring one or two early Christian martyrs named St. Valentine. Um and then obviously through later folk traditions has become a significant cultural, religious and commercial celebration of romance and romantic love in many regions of the world. So, um, but, you know, in my world, right. it's Galentine's Day, not Palentine's Day. It's Galentine's Day. Because I'm a gal. I have literally no idea where this conversation's going, but fair enough. <laughs> <Absolutely>. <laughs> we have a script sometimes, occasionally, and it's just gone completely off completely script, though, which doesn't surprise no, me at no, all. No, 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 um, absolutely. Completely out so, the window. Uh, may, maybe, Ali, I, but fair enough for celebrating diversity, but perhaps that's where we... um. 
we need to wrap things up today before my mind completely blows. I don't know, maybe. This is my um my idea anyway. Up to you. You can keep going on about Valentine's Day if you'd like, but I've completely lost the plot now. It's gone. Well, I just <laughs> you know we 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 just needed to market Harry. That was it, and um, you know because we are doing a podcast on Valentine's Day. So yeah, happy Valentine's very Day. True, very true, and. Happy Valentine's Day. And if you've got any cute stories to send us, you can email us on breakdown at forthenow.co.uk or even sign up to our mailing list if you want announcements about our other podcasts as well, which um, the lovely Ali has been leading the way on. So you can get an email from Ali every week if you like. Sign up your email address. Can't go wrong. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So on the website. So do send us, you know, if you want to subscribe and listen to our podcasts, you can. So, you know, obviously we cover a lot of global news as well as some really fun stories. So, um, yeah, so do that. So you can reach us at 40N at forthenow.co.uk. No, sorry, breakdown. <laughs> said that oh god um, oh, no. at breakdown with us for all our social media handles and um, perhaps Ali it's time to say um goodbye before we end goodbye. up getting even Absolutely. more tongue twisted um, yeah not right <laughs> listeners we'll see you next week and there might even be a video version next week it's something we're trialing this week um maybe i'll post some of my outtakes up online because i'm just completely confused right now um but yeah we'll be back next week on an earlier yeah. day of saturday believe it or not so absolutely yeah. Bye. Adios. Bye. Adios. Bye.